You are listening to Streaming Consciousness on Open Lines Radio. Follow Mark on Instagram at tincan.telephone. Follow Open Lines Radio on Instagram at Open Lines Radio. And be sure to check out Open Lines Radio online at www.openlinesradio.com. And now stay tuned for Streaming Consciousness. Enjoy!
So I'm not 100% sure why I'm being compelled to do this. Um, I, I'm sure that there's somebody in my subconscious thoughts that um, I think needs to hear it, but um, my conscious thought can't put a name to that person. So I'm just going to sit down and do this. Um, I want to talk a little bit today about addiction. And I'm trying to, how do I start this? Okay, so I, I, I'm a person who's, who struggles with addiction. And it's been just in my late adult years that it, it occurred. My early years, was, I was pretty clean. Um, but so let me, let me see if I can put this into context. So in the um, mid-90s to the mid-2000s, it's probably everywhere, but I could only speak to my experience, which was in uh, northern Utah uh, near Salt Lake City. Um, there was a real problem with the overprescription of opioids, um, Vicodin, mostly, um, Lortabs, Norcos, whatever you want to call them. And I was somebody who struggled with um, headaches, cluster headaches, they called them, cluster headaches. Uh, I would just get these headaches and cluster headache. I came to learn was the term they use to describe uh, headaches that they can't explain where it's coming from. They just throw it into that category. And so I had a neurologist who prescribed me for probably a good three to five years solid. I always had um, in my possession a, 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 a substance called Vicoprofen, which um, mostly uh, Vicodin is it's a uh, hydrocodone and acetaminophen and instead of the acetaminophen this had ibuprofen and it was just the mellowest cleanest smoothest high you could imagine and I'm somebody I talked I talked to Holly uh, the, uh, the other day on uh, through the greenhouse haze and talked about how I used to smoke cigarettes, but I was never like a really big smoker, like a pack a week, you know, a couple a day. And it was the same thing with the um, painkillers. I never went overboard. I don't think I ever took more than four in a day. And even if I were to get up to four, it was a rare thing. And I would go days without it. It was mostly um, something that I would use to uh, chill out in social settings, you know, being a, an introvert and kind of shy. Um, you know, it needed some kind of, you know, alcohol wasn't part of my culture. Um, it didn't, wasn't in my family. It wasn't my, none of my friends drank really, at least openly. I had friends who drank, but never really in front of me. I never really saw alcohol. So alcohol wasn't really something that I gravitated towards. Um, and so where, where there were people drinking alcohol, I would, you know, I would just take a Vicoprofen and then that way I could be relaxed and, you know, change the, the frame of mind and the mindset to uh, have a little fun. You know, it was, it really was, a, it was more of a, a I, it was never really for pain. Like those never really helped the headaches. Um, they, they, but, but they did, you know, they, this is the reason people get addicted to them, but I never, I'm going to come, come out and I'd never really had a problem with them. 
I didn't think. Um, and, and, I, and I still don't think I had a physical addiction to him, but we'll get into that in a minute. So I had this steady stream of Vicoprofen. And, and I think in... Uh, <laughs> there's a bird going crazy outside the window. Um, at, the, at that t- point in time, like they were, it was just doctors were just prescribing it left and right. I don't know why, along with other stuff, along with uh, antidepressants and anti-anxiety and you know that's when Prozac became big and and this was probably before Ambien oh man this bird does not want me to tell the story so I didn't want to get involved with any of the antidepressants even though that's what it really was it was depression and anxiety but while I was treating it with Vicoprofen thanks to my headaches because I was had access to it thanks to the headaches so and you know when I was I was in in school I was going to school I was getting uh, I was getting a writing degree and so I didn't want to deal with antidepressants numbing my feelings I still wanted those feelings because I was writing and you needed I needed to be in touch with my feelings to be able to write good fiction um, and so I didn't get into those but what, what I did not realize what I was doing was I was treating my anxiety with opioids. <laughs> so so that happened. That went on for a while. Um, I was married. I had some kids and um, so, some things happened and I got divorced. So when I got divorced, I'm, I'm not quite sure why my ex-wife put me through the things she put me through. It, I'm, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, she was the one who cheated. She was the one who ended the marriage. And yet in those several months to years after our divorce, she like went out of her way to make my life a living hell. Just doing things for no reasons, reasons I can't understand. And so what, one of the things she did, she was in the medical field and she knew this doctor, the, the neurologist, she knew him pretty well. Knew his family pretty well, and she told him, I believe this is a HIPAA violation, by the way, but she told him that I was addicted to the Vicoprofen and that he shouldn't prescribe him anymore. And then he didn't. Without even talking to me, he just cut me off, stopped prescribing him, just told me he couldn't do it anymore. And when I had talked to her and told him he had cut me off, she said, yeah, I know, I told him to. And that's what started something else, which was... (laughs) alcohol because little did I know I was using the Vicoprofen to cope with anxiety and to cope with stress in very stressful situations that's when I would take it and now I was going through the most stressful anxiety filled time of my life and I had nothing it had I didn't have access to this anymore this was how I had been coping for years it was just completely just suddenly cut off this is kind of how the medical establishment fails us. They don't ever take into consideration the consequences of what they do. They just do it. They just prescribe shit and stop prescriptions. And, and they don't ever take into to consideration the humanity of their patients. And how maybe it should have... If, that's fine if you thought I was addicted you should have weaned me off it we should have gone through the appropriate measures instead of just cutting it off because what I did end up doing was turning to something that I did have access to which was alcohol 
Now in Utah, alcohol is run every every liquor store is run by the state. The state has the monopoly on alcohol in the state of Utah. So you have to go to a state run liquor not even a state license, it's a state run liquor store. They're employees of the state. And they're only they don't you, you can't get it on every corner, you know. You've got to go to the designated place where it is. There's like maybe one big liquor store in every three cities. And so you have to go to the liquor store and then where, where where Utah is, there's just kind of this Mormon community that you're in that you kind of, you, you feel like you have to like sneak it, you know, you're coming out, you're looking around, you're hoping nobody sees you, you're putting it in your trunk. And so I would get home and that was what I would, that's how I would sleep at night. I would lay in bed at night and I would, or before I I'd lay in bed at night and I'd stare at the ceiling and then I would, instead of staring at the ceiling, I would take a shot of Jack Daniels and... Follow, and then I could lay in bed and fall asleep. I could that would help erase the bullshit that I was dealing with in the day, so that I could actually sleep. And these are the things that the Vicoprofen were helping me cope with. So it's easy to see how a vicious cycle can start, and it's and it's it's really hard to blame people sometimes for kind of the 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 dangerous addictions that they fall into because it's just kind of circumstances of life and it's kind of the people around them not not only not recognizing that people are hurting but like perp actively going out of your way to make those people hurt <clears throat> I, just, I don't get some people or certain people in this world I'll never get so I start drinking a little and then that one shot before bed starts to not have as much of an effect and it turns to two shots and it turns to getting up a couple times a night to have a shot to silence the brain. And then the next thing you know, you're, it, it, it's, a, it's a half a bottle. Uh, the problem, and here, and here, and so here's another problem that I face is I hate, I hate, for me, the term high functioning alcoholic is not necessarily like like the, the the traditional definition of a high functioning alcoholic which is somebody who can just be drunk all the time and still functioning that's not me i'm not, i'm useless when i'm drunk <laughs> I, I i'm a, i'm the kind of guy i hate to day drink i like to make sure when i do drink it's at the end of the night when i'm done with everything and everybody's where they're supposed to be and i'm not i don't have to worry about any kind of emergencies necessarily and so I, and because of this, and, 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 and I have this ability to get up and like work through a hangover. And so I could drink heavily at night and still be up at 6 a.m. I could cut myself off at 2 a.m. and still be up at 6 a.m. and be at work and, and function. And function, you know, I don't know about well, but function um, satisfactory, <laughs> you know, probably probably better than at a higher rate than... 60% of the people that are working with me, you know, so, um, so when you're able, so you're able to kind of fool people when, when, when it's like that, there's there, nobody's actually witnessing you drunk. No one's witnessing you, uh, abusing anything because you're doing it completely after the kids are in bed, you know what I mean? And so, 
it got out of hand and it got to a point where I actually reached out for help and I went to a doctor and um, took the pills they, they prescribed the, these pills these these antidepressants and anti-anxiety and this cocktail this cocktail of drugs Ambien and Xanax prescribed by a doctor all of this stuff prescribed at the same time while I am drinking heavily this stuff's prescribed to get me off of it but like like you you can't you have to like address the drinking part because the drinking part is what makes all these other pills so dangerous you combine this stuff and that's what turned me into something I don't even know what it is and the drinking got to a point where it was just the second I was home from work I mean I, I would it was still the same thing I would fake the day never would call in sick I would show up I did my shit if, I was, if it was my night to do shit with the kids, I was doing shit with the kids. But the second I was in the house, I was drinking until I passed out, blacked out. And so, you know, things happen and you reach a rock bottom and, and you realize that you have to change. And I, I, I've quit drinking several times <laughs> in my life. And each time it's been great. And they've been long stretches of time that I've quit drinking. And... and and then we moved, so so we moved, so I, I think I, I had things under control pretty well. And we moved from Utah to California. And when you move, and, and in, in that, that and California is so different than Utah that you, everywhere you go, there's alcohol. There's alcohol in the grocery store. There's alcohol in the gas station. There's alcohol in the 7-Eleven. Every restaurant you go to, there's a full bar. And so suddenly there was this ease of access. I didn't have to go to this state-run liquor store two cities over. I could. I was just at the store grocery shopping, and there it was. It was just so easy to put in the cart. And so there, there went round the next round of of falling into it. It was the same thing. It was. It was drinking at night and and it, sitting there getting anxious. It's like, all right, kids go to bed. When are you going to go to bed? And like kids want to like a ride to their friend's house. And it's like the thought of having to wait for them to get home from your friend's house, from their friend's house so that you can start drinking was like you were prohibiting them from doing things. And then you were just, go, I was just going and passing out in bed and it became a problem. And then We, I, I found um, marijuana and marijuana is a saving grace marijuana takes the place of the antidepressants and marijuana takes the place of the head change that alcohol gives you and I cleaned up for a really long time a really long time and then I started Open Lines Radio And I was, I started out live. We were every, every night was a live show. We would stream live. And I wasn't drinking yet for that. It was when I started adding on other um, podcasts or other shows to, to the live things. And so I would patch people through or they would send me their recordings and I would play it live. And as it was going out live onto the airwaves, I'd sit there and have a drink. And it became fun. 
it was this I could go outside I could smoke because I, I had we, we had this little uh, hut thing outside that we had built and so I would sit outside and, and do this stuff from outside it was the tarot hut or the we called it back in the day if, for those of you that had been around that long tarp life and I'd sit out there and I'd listen to these things and I would have the greatest time and I'd drink and listen to these voices and it wasn't because it was hard to listen to that I needed I just it was just opening these it's, it's just there's something that it touches in your brain that like opens things up that makes like I was basically what I was addicted to was the emotions and like this the alcohol was open me opening me up to take bring in all of these emotions I mean every like that's why you, these drunks are when you see a drunk they're usually so over emotional or when you see someone who's drunk that's when they're at the peak of their emotions and I was just opening myself up and and taking the, these voices in and then the same thing happens that always happens is I'm out there every night <laughs> and I'm and it's the same thing I'm st and well kind of at this point in time my work schedule was as such where I was able to just drink whenever basically and so but I mean it was still it was still at night it would still be when I would but I didn't have to deal with the consequences of the hangover in the morning I was able to get a little sleep before I had to go do my work and I was I was working a little bit for myself at that point but it, it still takes over and it's and it's and it's not even that I think that it it's more the health things that get that I become a problem with me because it doesn't really affect my life it doesn't like the the nights that I'm not drinking like aren't any different as, and around the house as the nights that I am but it's the it's the effects it has on my health it's when I look at myself in the mirror it's when I see the puffy face and when the water retention and when my heart rate is so high to, and you go to the I have to go to the emergency room and so it's it's you know just just for my own health health reasons you know I don't I I don't even want to know what my liver's gone through luckily it hasn't given me trouble but like my heart and just my appearance is enough to say all right <laughs> it's time to, I mean, there's nothing, listen, there's nothing I love more than drinking and listening to Open Lines Radio. It's the greatest thing. It's the best way to bring in all that emotion. But that's, it gets to be too much emotion. Like, like it, it's enough to listen to the, these voices without the substances. So here I find myself again. Uh... In, in the midst of sobriety, and it's not—it hasn't been very long. It's—I—I—it's I, been ten days, with one day in the middle there, that there was a lapse. So there's been—I—it's been one day in 2020 so far, and I'm just taking—you know—even though even those little lapses, even those little, so 
in the past, that's been when I've got when when things have gotten bad again. I've 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 gone several. I'll go a couple of weeks without drinking, and then I'll allow myself to drink again, and then I'll feel so bad that I've allowed myself to drink again that I'll just go right back into another period of a month long binge, <laughs> and and it did that didn't happen this time. This time I I I. I allowed myself to have something to drink and um, just continued the next day sober and you know it's baby steps I think sometimes it's like it's like let's see if I can go a week and then let me have a drink and then I'll go a week to earn that drink again and it's more like earning earning those those times and making those times special I don't know that I could ever be somebody who is completely sober I I just require that shift in consciousness in my life to touch to reach things and I don't know that I just I just think that in my upbringing and in um the 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 way that my brain that I've been programmed the way that I've been programmed since I was a child since I was born and the way that my body is because probably because of um, a lifetime of artificial food that I don't know that I have what it takes to like reach the places in my head that I want to reach without some kind of alteration. That does, not, not all the time, but but there's got to be an escape from this world now and then. At least for me, I mean, there are people I know. There are people that like you can get there through meditation, and you can there. I know, I know you can. But the the in in the life that I live, it's just it's the same thing as people who go. Um, do these ayahuasca these trips to, to to do these ayahuasca trips i mean that's the same thing like that's also a bypass of doing the work that's just a shortcut to getting to achieving enlightenment without actually doing the work it's this it's and that's kind of where i'm at with with this and and it's and as i'm talking it sounds like an excuse it sounds like an excuse but it's just it's it's there's got to be a way to reach moderation I mean, that's what we really need to strive for is balance because too far the other way is not necessarily good either. I mean, maybe for some people, but everybody's different. And that's what we have to understand is that what's, what's good for one person is not necessarily good for another. Now, usually what's bad, really, really bad for one person is usually really, really bad for everybody. And... That's usually when we're talking about excess. Excess is usually pretty excess in everything. Even even money. Look at the the rich people with all the money, the excess of money, and look at what it turns them into. Look at the effects that excess has on people. And I guess that's what I'm getting at. I I look I look back, I go back in time to the days when I didn't drink and I was I, I was just taking opioids and I wasn't eat, taking them in excess for some I for some reason I'm a, I'm a I, I guess I'm just a chicken I just don't want to push it and and this was the, the, the shit that's happened since I was taking pills to people I know who have fucking overdosed and died and seeing the devastation that it could have I even at a younger age I 
never wanted to get there. I wouldn't, didn't want to allow myself to get there. I was scared. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that lays in bed at night and if there's anything feeling weird, I have to get up and pace until I'm so tired I pass out, back out, because I'm just, I, I don't want to die. I, for some reason, want to be here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand why. The plate, this planet's going to shit. People are going to shit. People treat each other like shit. The future looks like shit. The present looks like shit. But I still want to be alive. I still, I still want to. I just feel like there's magic um, to create that I haven't created yet. And I don't want to go out before I create that magic. And I don't intend on going out before I make that make that happen. And there's there's a legacy to create. I've heard a lot lately of people like fucking shitting on legacies and how your legacy isn't as important as your moment in time right now as the current moment but your current moment is what creates your legacy the shit you do in the current moment is what creates your legacy and I don't feel like I've done enough good in the current moment to leave a lasting legacy so so and I and I and I've had this feeling for, since birth I've had this feeling my whole life that there's something bigger that I'm supposed to do and so I've always kind of withheld and stepped back and not allowed myself to f become fully immersed in things that might be somewhat harmful because I'm still waiting for that to happen. Now, I've put myself in some shitty positions thanks, thanks to alcohol and maybe too much alcohol and a mixture of some things, but that's not a, a something that happens regularly it's like these these things where you 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 have these close calls but that's everything in life you step out off a curb and almost get hit by a car and you have that flash where it's like oh shit i gotta be more careful you, you, that, that's what happens we, we become complacent when we just are going through the motions and things don't change and everything's just the same day after day we become complacent and it takes these moments these close calls to snap us out of it now the important thing is to snap out of it when you have these big signs, when the universe speaks to you and says, okay, it's getting to the point of abuse instead of becoming a necessary tool, listen to the universe and step back. And that's where excess is coming in. And like, it's, it's all about balance. We all know this. We all know it's all about balance. Too much of any good thing ruins it. Something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's true. Anything you like that you eat, to find a food you like and you eat it over and over and over again, eventually it loses its appeal. I lived on an avocado grove for three years. I, I'm just barely two years later coming around to being able to even look at an avocado. There was so much of it. So, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't know if this was for somebody or if this was just a purge. It might have just been something I need to clear. Something I've been uh, walking around with for a while and needed to, to release. 
So thank you for being there, being the ears for that purge. And um, if you were the ears that were supposed to hear that, thank you for listening. <laughs> now, 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 let's get some shit balanced. Let's find some balance. Um, we, that, that, that's the problem with routine. Routine's usually the most devastating thing on people's health. Just doing the same thing over and over and over again to the point that you stop paying attention to the fact that you're even alive and the fact that you have choices you know there's there's all this talk about free will but what's the point of free will if we're just forced through the motions like break the programming and use some of the free will the 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 the, the teachings of the elite don't have to be the only things that we follow there's truth out there to be found and there's truth out there to spread and there's life out there to live so if you and if you're one of those people who are doing it fuck man congratulations i'm i'm right behind you i'm finding my way
not.